Welcome to season two of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. You can find out more about me by going to retaildoc.com, where you'll find out I'm one of the foremost experts on brick and mortar retailing. Every week, I invite guests, vendors, and brick and mortar retailers to share their successes and their innovations to make the shopping experience fun. I believe we can change the world by those who are working in shopping and retail, so let's get to our first guest. Hello. I am so excited to be speaking to Jane Lou, the oh. founder of Shopo. Thanks for having me. Very excited oh. too. Oh my goodness. You are like a rock in retail in Australia and around the world. I think you're in 80 countries now. Is that correct? Um, we're actually on 100 now. Oh, <laughs> that's probably just in the last two days. <laughs> no, you're you're right. taking over. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm so thrilled to... Uh, to have you on the podcast and for people who don't know, um, who are you and what do you have to do with retail? So um, I'm Jane Liu, the founder and uh, CEO of Shopo. And so Shopo is an online fashion store. Um, we're global, selling to 100 countries, like you said, for women, um, roughly 16 to 36. And um, we've been around for eight years. And uh, we com- we completely bootstrapped from my uh parents garage a business in my parents garage with just a couple of shelves of clothes to now we've got over 150 staff well i i follow you on instagram and you're i don't know what they're not really considered a movie i guess but they (laughs) are so cute and you have such a um an aesthetic it is so clearly defined it's like that's your brand no thank you (laughs) right and i think that's the key that so many people struggle with um, well, let's go back. We'll, we'll come to your social media in a second. But I love your story because um, you're not just somebody that just decided to, to form a business. One, you had a spectacular failing, I think, and quickly yeah. recoup from it. But more importantly, you've got a whole finance background. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I actually, um, yeah, I studied accounting and finance uh, at university. And um, what I quickly learned was like, it might be interesting in theory, but like in practice, it is so, so, so boring. Um, <laughs> so, so boring. I, and I actually worked in, um, at KPMG and, uh, Ernst and Young, which is two of the big four accounting firms. And I just absolutely hated it. Um, and I just, I hated my job. I was the whole time I had, I had fake spreadsheets open, but I'm, I was secretly on Facebook. <laughs> And you just hit alt tab any anytime anyone walks by. <laughs> I love that. Unless I'm listening so, to this at another retailer and I realize, hey, someone's hustling while they're at work here, but still. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and so I was quite lucky that I got into a it's called a cadetship program, which meant that it's quite exclusive and it means you can start you start working full time and studying part time, which meant I started working straight out of high school because I can't believe this, but I was so eager to climb that corporate ladder that I wanted to a head start and to get into it as soon as possible. But what was great was that I also learned at a young, like a relatively young age when people, you know, I think most people graduate and then they start a job and then they realize I hate it. They, they, they may hate their job. I realized I wanted a career change around the same time I finished uni. And so that's when I, mm. at that time, my friend, Ashley came to me with a business idea, um, and this was my first business. 
that was to run pop-up stores. So we ran these pop-up stores in underutilized locations, which basically are bars when they're not busy. And we sold things from emerging <laughs> designers. I was, yeah. Okay. And so we, and then we quickly learned, and this was a really important business lesson I learned. Cause at the time I was like, Hey, we're going to do this business model slightly differently. Um, and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to make millions. But then we quickly learned that, you know, maybe no one was doing this business model because it doesn't work. <laughs> and so you learned that no matter how much hard work and dedication and passion that might go into something, if the business model doesn't work, it's never going to work. If no one wants the product you're selling, it's never going to work. Well, it sounds I, obvious, but. Well, but I, I attribute that, but let's face it. I, I think you're incredibly smart and you're incredibly uh, quick to react to that because there are so many people that will stick with a concept and they say, well, if I just have now, and admittedly, you know, as the retail doctor, this is my 25th year, and there was a certain amount of when I started, that is a matter of kind of plugging it out. But I think it's all changed, certainly in the last um, three or four years. I think you can get your metrics really quick and say, there's no market for this, or it's too hard, it doesn't scale, it's too expensive. Would you agree, Jane? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so there you are, you're, you're opening these pop-up stores and what are kind of bars and where does that moment come when you say like, this isn't cutting it? Well, I actually, it was my business partner told me that she didn't want to do it. So I actually wanted to turn this, these pop-up stores into an online store. I spent a month taking photos of everything, building my own website. Stupidly was, um, it was a Wix website, which is based built on flash so it was useless anyway because it's not mobile compatible but um what was great uh sorry she told me that she didn't want to do the business anymore kind of completely screwed me over at the time which again like you said it's it's great because she made she made us fail fast um because we realized that um so so sorry she made me so i actually quit my job for this business i quit out of answer it was in the middle of a global financial crisis. And I think what also urged me to quitting was, I was like, you know, I should probably quit before they fire me because I was so bad at my job and they were starting to make people redundant um, during the GFC. But what I what was done was I probably should have stuck around for a redundancy payment and used it as state capital. And then you could have built your business quicker. I got you. I know. But anyway, damn it. But anyway, um, it all worked out. So spoiler alert, it all worked out. <laughs> But um, so we, so she, so all of a sudden, so, you know, there's me at the age of 18 with a job. And so, you know, my parents and I, we immigrated from China to Australia when I was eight and they did that so that I could have, so that I could have the chance of like a, a better future with more job and financial security. So having achieved this at 18, um, having everything, I, all of a sudden, I threw all of that away. Like I studied right. you know, for my parents. I studied the thing that they wanted me to study. I got the job that they wanted. I had everything. I threw it all away. All of a sudden, no job, unemployed, business has failed. I lost all my life savings, which wasn't that much, but with the first business, I, I could not have been more rock bottom at, at this stage. And so I had no choice but to start a business because it was in the middle of the global financial crisis. No one was hiring. And so I started, I decided to start another business by default because I was, had no other options. And then when I was like, what kind of business should I start? I had only accounting and finance experience or a little bit of retail fashion experience from this business that 
failed. And I was like, look, if I'm going to like create my own future, I'm definitely not going to choose accounting. So that's kind of how by default. I never that's right. You're going to open an accounting office. Okay. That's not going to happen. No, Next. definitely not. <laughs> so that's, that's how, so people say, how come you started this show part? I'm like, well, it kind of happened by default, but also I think like, you know, what with one door closes, others open and it's literally that's why i always tell people just to start because you know business is all about being a being a good pro- being a good business person means being a good problem solver yes. so it's just literally you just start and then you adapt and you learn and you quickly evolve so that's kind of what happened um what was the the crappy thing i guess was you know because like i said my parents uh immig- like my parents like gave up they keep guilt tripping me that they gave up everything to move to australia for me but i couldn't tell them i threw it all away so for the first six months i actually pretended to go to work but wait wait you're living at their house right i was living with them yeah so and i'm an only child so all the pressures all the eyes are on me um so just to paint your picture i would have to get up early and you know i'm not a morning person so getting up early when you're unemployed is like possibly the worst thing ever for a non morning person. I know. You know, so you could be doing was... a comedian's uh, riff on this. You know, you could have been a stand-up. It's pretty funny, but I really could <laughs> um, just go to the comedy. I'll, I'll take this material to the comedy cellar tomorrow. It would be great. But um, but then it gets it actually gets worse because then I have to put on my suit, which is like a proper like you know the penguin suit, right. I guess. And then my mom actually works in the city. So I used to get the bus in, in the city with her. So I couldn't just peel off and go to the park. <laughs> I'd actually have to go to the city. And I ended up carrying around an empty laptop bag because I'm like, well, this laptop is useless and heavy. Wow. You were yeah. dedicated. Well, but, and, that's, and that's true around the world. I think kids don't want to let their parents down and, um, and are willing to keep that alive because, see, here's the thing. Um, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I was 61. And we are much more stressed and we worry about the future. And I think, you know, um, I hate sounding old here, but young people have totally got the message that you can do anything and why the hell not, right? So mm, why not yeah. be an entrepreneur and why not leave with my strengths and why not try it? And wow, I failed. Well, big deal. I guess I'll just do another one. And I really respect that with you because, um you know, you are kind of this force of nature when I first met you a couple of weeks ago. And but you're a smart cookie, too, because you've mastered this idea of who your girl is. You're not going after, you know, I'm going to go after the Macy's uh, girl or I'm going to go after X, Y, Z. You know who she is. And when I see it in your social media, I could certainly see a young woman saying, yes, I want to be her. And you've captured in such a way that um, maybe you've created this uh, young woman who is really put together. And um, the, the sense I get is you kind of can go from one look to another really easily. Is that kind of part of what you show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like, you know, it kind of all just happened very organically. And I think, like you said, like be, uh, because I'm not, I don't have a fashion background. I don't have, uh, I'm not a fashion girl. I'm actually just selling to girls like me <laughs> to like, you know, I, and I think I see everything, every problem um, that we're trying to solve from the eyes of a common, like our consumer yeah. and not with my own like ideas, like already in mind. Well, I think that's, so, that's key because 
you know, people are trying to listen to customers, right? But they have so many levels above them as far as retailers that they don't really know or whoever does know doesn't have the power to do it. And you're solving uh, for that person because you are that person. And, and that's great for a brand, but sometimes it makes it hard to scale because sometimes it's too niche of a niche, but you're in a hundred um, uh, countries. I think you know who she is and she's the same around the world. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it's it's exciting for uh, a time to be around, like, um, when you have a, more of a niche because of, like, how globalized the world is. Like, the, you know, we've seen, like, amazing growth from, like, micro brands. And just because what of what, the in, like, Instagram can do for you now, specifically with more, like, shoppable posts, um, influencers, like, you can. It's, like, the more, um, you know, the more strong your brand is and specific it actually um carries a lot of weight yes do you know what i mean i would agree with that i think we're approaching the end of mass retail as we know it yeah. and it's becoming the mass to the one which frankly uh eight years ago we didn't have the tools to do this and you seem to have i think um mastered them in such a way that you still feel fresh and fun and like oh this is my brand it seems like your customer uh, is, is certainly um responding to that yeah and then there's like because you know i think you can directly see a correlation for us between like who's following where our sales are coming from and where our instagram followers are mm. and i think that's just where we're in every country and all these are countries 100 countries we're selling to we're like something about us like our, uh, i think like we're relatable we're fun yes um we're approachable and like i think that's resonating with those girls you know in that market and it's like a infinitely big market i think yes now a question about your um social post are you hiring models are these employees although i did see you recently in new york in your uh in your outfit that somebody i don't know if it was you said it also doubles as scrubs your pink oh. outfit was pretty cute <laughs> but are they um, are they employees are you hiring models because they seem like they genuinely have fun with it yeah, I mean, no, they are models, but they definitely do have fun, and they're really part of our like they're they're part of our company. Like they they come to all of our like work events. We've taken them on trips before, and they've been with us. Our models have been with us for like three or four years. Wow. Um, and so yeah, when we have a so and we we're very unique in that we use these uh road, like these specific models, and we keep using them, and we also have a certain level of exclusivity to like the brands in our vertical, so that. And, and that's the thing when you see a photo, their photo on Instagram, when you see a Facebook ad with these girls, like, you know, it's Chopo. Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's that brand recognition because there's just so much noise out there right now. Um, and we also incorporate, you know, especially we're doing a big, like all sizes campaign uh, because we've extended our sizes from two to eight to now we're selling zero to 16. Um, and because there actually is a lack of um, models of all sizes in Australia, but also, you know, we have girls like that in our office. And yes. I think people really like how candid we are about our office. People love the show office. It's almost like, you know, aspirational, like for our demographics. So we often use the girls in our office in these videos to talk about, you know, we'll, instead of saying how to dress for red hair, we'll use the red hair in our office. We don't need to use the model. How to dress for uh, a body type. We'll use the girls in our office. And um, and I think it's, um, you know, and then also seeing these familiar faces, relatable faces is something that's really resonating really well with our, with our audience. 
Well, and it's not just you having to carry the weight of that because I could have seen that continuing. And at some point you're like, I have to run the business kids. I have to can't get yeah. out for a photo shoot because we just got these in. Right. So uh, absolutely. what do you think the best advice you ever received has been Jane? Um, Eva, well, I think, Oh, this sounds so my boyfriend actually tells me, um, he tells me that I'm not special, which like, so whenever I complain about a problem, he's like, you know what? Like you're not special. Like this, don't think, don't dwell on this problem thinking like you're the only person deal, like dealing with this and that, you know, this is a unique problem. Just like get over it. So as an example, like I, you know, I'm trying to learn how to drive manual and I'm like, Oh, I just can't, I can't do this. And he's like, no, you're not special. Half the world drives manual. Just, just suck it up and do it. And that principle, like he says that about work things as well. And it just, it's just like, suck it up. You're not special. It, and it really works. I, that is so opposite of what we hear. The message that millennials have gotten all their life, which is you're special. <laughs> you have a cape. We can all do this and superpower. And you have a boyfriend like, you're not special. Take the cape off. You're just somebody else. Everybody's yeah, got the just same do issues. It. Get over yourself. <laughs> and um, what going, uh, looking to go into retail, whether that's online or uh, pop-up or brick and mortar, what what do you think you would tell if a friend said that and they spring it on you at a Starbucks and you're like, oh, um, what would you tell them? How, um, I think these, uh, I think nowadays you really need a more, uh, I mean, this excludes, like if you're going to get like venture backing and have a lot of money, then you can kind of do whatever. So this is, you know, advice for someone who's starting like myself with not much money and you're kind of hustling by yourself. Um, I would say you really need a specific um, product, like a niche product, something that really stands out in the market um, and can cut above the noise or there's a particular way that you're doing this, but you can't start a business like show pro now. Like we're, and the thing is, you know, right now we have 50% of our styles are uniquely designed. Um, but when we first started, we were just retailing. So you right. that's something we, we weren't anything special. What we did differently back then was we had a unique way of marketing using social media, but now like there's, you, you can't, there's, you know, you can't just start and just try to uniquely good... sell things that everyone else has. Yes. So your product needs to be really strong. Um, and then I would still, and people also say, you know, organic traffic is dead. And yes, it's different to the golden days when I started because that was like amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think these days there's still so much you can do. So for example, um, like in, like I mentioned before, Instagram with shoppable posts, um, that you can do, you can really push a specific product a very long way. Um, influencer marketing as well has, it's just still really powerful. And so that's, you know, the, and Instagram still has organic growth. So, so that, and sorry. So let's go back to the, to Instagram. Um, how do you decide what you would um, boost for Instagram? Is it because you have 500 of these in the warehouse? Is it because you think it's right on trend? Is it just a feeling? Um, what, what determines that for you, Jane? I mean, first, I think you initially start with like your gut feel, I guess, because then because you want to test what works. Mm. But then the best, the amazing thing about social media is you get instant feedback on what people like and what they don't. 
So you literally, I mean, like even if you look at the last two photos I posted, one is like the pink suit that looks like scrubs. Like that has like 2,000 likes. And then my other photo in this like beige outfit has 6,000. Like, okay, people don't want these pink suits because it's really hard to wear on the day-to-day. And people like the beige outfit because, you know, like, so you instantly mm. know what kind of, what people want. Now I would go and boost the um, beige one. Yeah, exactly. And try and sell those products. And then I would take those outfits and then maybe do a flat lay, put it on, send it to influencers. So these are the products people want to see. Let's get it into different formats as well. And then I think that, you know, people, the thing about Facebook is Facebook is still very strong. It is. What's interesting is, um, well, it was a funny story because like 2015, like I think it was 2015, I was uh, speaking to one of the biggest uh, newspaper publications in Australia. And I, you know, casually said that Facebook is dead which then became the headline. It was like... <laughs> We've all been like, there. Yeah, re- yeah. It re- mean that. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh my God. Because in the next year, we figured out how to make Facebook work. We realized like, you know, Facebook organic can still work when you supplement it with a strong and um, clever uh, paid strategy, paid media strategy. And if you, we started to do a lot more with video and we created original content. Yes. All of those things work. So actually last year, 2018, we were the most engaged brand on Facebook in Australia. Cause, and now I'm like, oh God. So now actually whenever I speak to anyone, you know, that's my example as a caveat to be like, what I'm saying is just what I think right now. Like I could be wrong. I, I know that, you know, it's just like a timestamp to right now. But anyway, so I do think, you know, like marketing on Facebook is still the cheapest form of uh, direct digital marketing. I would still highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, so, and then just also, you know, when you have a unique product, it's about creating unique content around that product. And so I think those are the three best ways to work, to start a retail business when you, you don't really have um, a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing that, and I've always said that too, that you can't a store to sell somebody else's product and assume I build it and they will come. That just doesn't happen. Uh, You have to build it and you have to go out and you have to drag them kicking and screaming to your site and entertain them and, um, and thank them. And like, Oh, our tribe. It's like yesterday I did a speech for music retailers. I'm a conductor and I started off by singing, which I never started keynote with. Mm. That happened. The client said, you, you were in, you were one of us. And that's, yeah. that's the point that they want to feel your um, young woman absolutely feels that way. So um, uh, side sidebar here. So when you feel overwhelmed or f- unfocused, which um, I don't know, you have so many irons in the fire. Um, what do you do besides listening to your boyfriend who says uh, you're nothing special? I mean, what do you yeah. do to, to kind of get that back or to unplug or something? I mean, I am very lucky. I have an amazing uh, exec team. I've got my general manager, my head of product specifically have been around with me for most of the, most of the journey. And so, uh, the, sorry, they've been with the business for years and they are just so smart and help alleviate the stress. And I think just having people to talk to and to just work on problems with has just been what keeps me sane. Yeah. And then I think also just having people that I respect you know, when we do make a mistake, just to, for the people I respect to say, hey, you know, like, don't beat yourself up. Let's work on fixing this. That is just what that that's what really works for me. And then just on just on the for the immediate problem, I just normally like just step away, 
drink some wine, watch some Netflix, and just like yeah. completely just take my mind off things, yeah. and that really helps. Yeah, I would agree. I, <laughs> I think that's the challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs do is we think that oh, only I could do this, and uh, you you can do the work of three people, but you can't be three people, right, Jane? I mean, yeah. that you have to be able to say I trust you, and it's going to be fine. And um, well, listen. I don't want to take up too much of your time. You've been really generous. Um, uh, tell me something good about retail. What's, you know, you've been in it for quite a while now. You're obviously meeting with success. Just tell me something good about retail. Um, oh, God, retail is just very exciting. I think, you know, speak, like going to NRF um, and just getting, the, it's just very exciting time to be in. It feels like, you know, a, like a renaissance of the, um, of the bricks and mortar um as a as a sales channel and a marketing channel and you know that's something what's really exciting is like years ago i'm like no we're never going to do bricks and mortar and now i'm like hey you know what it's something that i'm open to so i think the fact that like it is so um quick changing it's so dynamic is really exciting because what's great about that is like you know you've got to you've got to constantly change and be agile but it also means if you get to you'll never get to a point where you're in a rut because it's changing there's always something new you can do to tweak and to improve. And I mean, I just, I just love it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. I know uh, sometimes I ask people, so tell me a time when you um, really liked uh, change and another time you hated it. And it always involves to me, you really hate it if it comes on you and someone says, you have to do this. But if you mm. choose it, you love it. It's like, oh, I could do this and I could do that. And then you're excited by change. So I think you are a living example of that, Jane. I think you certainly have an amazing brand and amazing story. And um, most importantly, how can they find out more about your wonderful brand? Oh, well, we are Shopo. So you can shop at Shopo.com or S-H-O-W-P-O on Instagram. And I'm also on Instagram as the lazy CEO. All right. So I have to ask about that before I get off. So how come the lazy CEO? How did you come up with that? Honestly, it's just because Shane Lou was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, and I just thought, you know, like, uh, like we were just chatting about before, um, I, something that I've really learned. So I, you know, coming from a Chinese background, a very academic background, I always thought it's just about working hard and just work. the more, you know, they have this thing called hustle porn. It's about like, you know, working really hard yourself. And that is like a validation of the good work you're doing. But at one point, at some point during my business journey, I've learned that really finding great people and trusting them to do work and inspiring and leading them um, and delegating well is actually the way I'm really going to grow this business. So it's just, yeah. So being lazy is a virtue if you know how to be lazy. Oh my gosh. That's a perfect way for us to end. So thank you so (laughs) much, Jane and, uh, and continue success to you. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for the chat. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. That brings us to the close of another episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm Bob Vibbs, your host, known as The Retail Doctor, based in the United States. Tune in next week when we have another set of movers, shakers, influencers, vendors, and -and brick-and-mortar retailers, all there to make you a smarter retailer.